This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your desktop or mobile device. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry and you're listening to Trek FM. I thought I'd take some light reading, in case I got bored. Welcome everyone to another episode of Literary Treks, our dedicated books and comics show. I am your host, Matthew Rushing, and of course with me, as he is always, is Dan Gunther. Dan, how are you doing this week? Hey Matthew, doing not too bad. Uh, Always happy to be here, and uh, yeah, no, doing pretty well. Excited to discuss discuss this next uh, entry in the uh, New Frontier Returned series. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun discussion, and it is really interesting because you, I can tell, I, I think I can tell at this point that this book is definitely something that was one book, and they just found strategic places to cut it, and so it is, it is, um, it's a, it's, oh yeah, we'll talk about it, but it's fun, um, we don't have too much news today, but we I'm excited. We do have a, uh, a new comic, an ongoing 48, and so um, we're just going to kind of talk about that. So I hope everybody's gotten a chance to read it and take a look at it. Um, we'll talk about it. Uh, there's really not too much to give away in this one because it's kind of set up in this series. But uh, what did you think about Deity, them starting this uh, new little mini-series here? Uh, well, it's a pretty interesting start. Like you say, it's a lot of setup, uh, you know, kind of maneuvering our characters into some interesting positions and, and you know, setting up what's going to happen in the story going forward. Uh, some Definitely some things that I liked about this. Uh, I really liked the design of the aliens. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, almost chicken people, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like weird roostery type things it was pretty cool i I mean very and they had like all these eyes on the side Mm -hmm. it was nice yeah good job another thing that i thought was interesting and i'm hoping it pays off in uh you know the next issue is we kind of get introduced to sulu's team going down and it almost felt like they were Mm -hmm. setting up kind of a lower decks type situation uh, we don't get a lot with them, but I'm hoping because they're spending time introducing these characters and, and uh, you know, telling us a little bit about them that, you know, we'll get some exploration of some people outside the core cast. And Scotty invented basically a invisibility cloak. Oh, yeah. Which just I thought was kind of fun. In his afternoon yeah. off, you know. 
It's it's what Scotty does. He reads, you know, tech manuals and then creates uh, invisibility. He must have been reading Harry Potter. He's like, I could do that better. Exactly. Yeah. I figure, I figure that's a lot of what Scotty does is he reads, you know, some fantastical fiction and says, you know what? They call me the miracle worker. I may as well just do this. Yeah. I, that's not even going to take a miracle. I'm just going to put this and this and this together with some duct tape and some bailing wire and spit and it'll be done. So <laughs> think MacGyver's yeah. his spirit animal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think so too. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting setup that they're going to visit a planet, you know, they're kind of back on the five-year mission after everything that's kind of gotten in the way, um, with the Tholian webs and, um, phasing in and out of, of, you know, their ship, uh, even though nobody phased into space, I still wonder why that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> Just really lucky, I guess. <laughs> yeah, really lucky. But this is, they're going to go visit a a planet in this area of the Alpha Quadrant, and it's a primitive planet, so that's why they're using the invisibility cloak that Scotty's created. Kirk has put Sulu in uh, charge of the mission. Um, he's he's very confident in Sulu. He says, look, I, I might not know a lot of things about being a captain, but I do know that you're going to be a captain one day. So he's starting to give him that responsibility. And uh, I'm wondering if they're working towards that maybe in the end of Star Trek Beyond or something. Uh, who knows? Because they seem to be pushing it pretty hard here in the comic. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, get the Excelsior, I guess, and, and Sulu taking command you know, pretty I, early. <laughs> okay, the nacelles of the Excelsior in the prime universe are already massive <laughs> huge nacelles can you imagine how big they'd be in the jj universe oh man it would be all that scotty could talk about i'm sure <laughs> uh, yeah i mean those aren't ample nacelles those are just outrageously sized nacelles <laughs> um daniel prue is going to be through the roof um <laughs> But uh, yeah, this is, I, I like the setup here. They're going to this primitive planet. It, it's kind of, you know, a who watches the watchers insurrectionist. Uh, they're, they're taking a look. They're trying to stay hidden. And this huge spaceship thing pulls out of the sky. And it looks like uh, some kind of offering of their babies to something. Mm-hmm. And as that's happening, this this big electrical storm causes this problem where the invisibility cloak drops and Sulu and the rest of the away team are, are taken hostage. And then that's where it ends off. So it's a really interesting setup because the comic itself is called Deity. That's what this little miniseries is called, uh, this five-year mission story. So obviously... It, kind of wondering if Kirk is going to talk a supercomputer to death or (laughs) something like that, maybe? Kind of almost had a feel to it of uh, that season one TNG episode, Justice, a little bit, with this kind of massive, uh, you know, ship appearing in orbit that, you know, is, I'm thinking is worshipped as a god by these people, by the looks of it. Um, Except everybody was clothed in this episode, luckily. (laughs) So... Because I don't really know if we wanted to see these rooster people mm. um, in those justice outfits. <laughs> yeah, that might be a little bit more than, uh, you know, the comic reading audience could stomach here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's too much. 
too much. So yeah. Oh goodness. Um, but no, it, it's an interesting start. I I think this is one where it's purely set up. So I I can't even feel like I could rate it because I have no idea how it's going to end and how it ends is going to be the big part of whether or not it turns out to be a good story or just like, eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's hard to, to really judge a setup here. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting places it can go. Uh, and I hope we get to go to them, <laughs> but until we yeah. find out where those are, yeah, it's a little hard to say. Definitely. I, and hopefully it will be uh, an interesting resolution as, as we work towards this deity story. And before we kind of jump into our feature, uh, we just want to remind you that uh, Literary Treks is part of Trek FM, and that is an entire network of podcasts. Uh, you can find us at trek.fm online. You can also find us at itunes.com slash trek.fm. We have 20 different shows on the network talking about all the major Star Trek series. We've got uh, things revolving around Star Trek, behind the scenes, different perspectives. We've got uh, amazing shows on on General Geek, like the 602. I mean, there's just so much going on here on Trek FM. I hope you'll check it out. Um, if you'd like to contact us, we'd love to hear from you. There's so many places that can happen. You can check us out at... Um, trek.fm slash contact you can also leave us a voicemail on the sidebar of the show page go to speedpipe.com slash trek.fm facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm we've got the listeners only discussion group the babel conference an amazing place for anyone to hit us up have great conversation uh join us in the babel conference just type babel into the search field on facebook or go to trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar and uh, we'll let you in, and it's a place where only the listeners go because uh, only the listeners know about the group. It's a private group for only the listeners. So join us there. We're having amazing conversations. And then for Literary Trek specifically, you can check out Goodreads, which is our listeners' discussion group on Goodreads where we keep the bookshelves and all of that kind of stuff of the things that we're reading, things that are upcoming, things that we've already read. We're having discussions about the books and comics there. It's a really great place to go. And if you miss any of these links, just go to our show page at trek.fm. Look under Literary Treks. You'll see all the episodes we've done there. And each show page has the show links. It has the links for the things we talk about in the news sections. I mean... If you're not visiting that, it's a great resource for you. So uh, check all of that out at trek.fm slash contact or, of course, on iTunes at itunes.com slash trek.fm. Well, Dan, we have reached uh, that time of the month, and, and we're having one each month right now where we've gotten back to As the Universe Turns, <laughs> New Frontier, The Returned, Part 2. Um, we're back in the New Frontier universe, which I've got to say uh, is feeling a little bit soap opera-ish in this, uh, this episode and uh, in this book. Uh, it, it's a kind of ratcheted up, but uh, I, this has continued to be really fun. You know, for me, just being dropped in here um, for the first time in the New Frontier universe for you, I wanted to ask before we kind of even got into anything on the outline, and we have a good outline today. We got a lot of things to talk about. How was the story working out for you, especially with this second part? Um, 
is it really starting to pay off some of those things that you've been reading about or had read about in New Frontier all those years and you wanted to kind of see some resolution to? Well, Matthew, um, first of all, I have to say I am enjoying the story. Um, and I've been kind of doing a little bit of self-reflection on this and I'm not certain how much I'm enjoying the story because it's a quality New Frontier story and how much of it is kind of nostalgia and you know, um, being glad that new frontier is back and having these characters again, I've been, I've been trying to really differentiate that. And, uh, definitely a big part of it is that I'm a big fan of these characters and this kind of larger than life comic book style universe that, uh, Peter David has created. Um, but how good is the story? Uh, that's a kind of more difficult question. Uh, like I said, I am really enjoying it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with these characters, a lot of uh, places they're being taken that, you know, I ne- didn't necessarily see these characters going, but, you know, excited for them and kind of seeing where things go from here. Uh, yeah, all in all, I have to say I'm pleased. Um, kind of, again, left a little hanging, wondering how this is all going to wrap up, though. Uh kind of in that little bit of a limbo place right now, if that makes sense. You know, it's that kind of middle book syndrome, right? You know, you've had a... So you're in purgatory. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah, middle book purgatory. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is, I mean, this book, just like the first one, it ends on a cliffhanger that leaves you very much wanting to go to the next book and, and figure out exactly what happens. So... Yeah, I think it's um, it's doing its job of saying, oh, I have to get the next book. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and, and they were really smart in some ways. I think, you know, if they're going to do an ebook this way, instead of just putting it out as one ebook, they're putting it out as three ebooks and really kind of getting you excited to at least go like, okay, I have to know how this ends. I don't care whether it's good. It's got me excited to just see where this crazy story is going. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, well, honestly, where it's going is it's a trap. <laughs> um, that uh, and I love how you put that there because you know you were talking about here in the outline. That this seems like what they found in the pocket universe. This the the day in. They really kind of seem like his dream come true mm-hmm. of. Oh gosh, they're going to help me destroy the people who destroyed my world. This couldn't be going any better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. But of course, as you know, it's kind of a common theme in fiction and that kind of stuff. If it's too good to be true, well, yeah, it usually is. And yeah, these Dan or Diane, uh, they're, they seem to be the bigger threat, uh, And it's actually the Demurge who warn Calhoun that, no, these guys will destroy everything and no, they cannot be stopped. And yeah, uh, it it really looks like they've kind of unleashed a a terror that's uh, worse than anything that's come before, as, you know, we're fond of saying in comic books. So it makes sense that Peter David would have that in his novel here for sure. Well, and it is it is really interesting because. Um, right now Calhoun is in this place where vengeance has so blinded him that he he doesn't necessarily care. He's he's struggling a little bit with trying to care 
mm-hmm. really uh, about not wanting to just destroy and annihilate the demerge. De- and I, I thought that that was a really interesting thing to watch because it, it's a very human, even though know, he's not human, it's a, it's a human emotion of wanting vengeance mm. when, you know, somebody's destroyed your entire people. And um, not having any... And, and what was so interesting is that there's that very Star Trek thing of he doesn't know why it happened. And maybe if he knew the why, it might... And, and we get glimpses that the why here is pretty big mm-hmm. like it's a big but like we destroyed your people but right you know um and that's a that's a huge star trek thing and and that's where any character who's kind of bent on any kind of revenge usually gets slapped in the face well i mean yeah like even going back to like the original series arena i mean that was the whole message of that yeah, episode was yeah you know, yeah, the Gorn killed everybody on Cestus Three, but that's because they thought Starfleet was the invaders. So, you know, they were defending their home. Uh, yeah, learning the reason behind uh, uh, something like this is usually portends a, you know, kind of a wake up call for the for the main character for sure. Well, um, yeah, and and as you know, you you would put here that I love Shakespeare says the devil often hath the power to assume a pleasing shape uh, <laughs> as um she says to in star trek six yeah one um, of my favorite bits yeah. of uh, foreshadowing in any star trek movie ever by the way exactly it's like oh it's you're the awesome. devil are you <laughs> uh-huh. and yeah she's definitely in a pleasing shape because iman is it's just gorgeous <laughs> and uh you don't ex- you wouldn't expect her necessarily at the beginning to be the bad person and yeah it turns out beauty can turn on you too so be careful especially when it can become a hairy beast at the same time <laughs> or shatner himself um, <laughs> yeah or shatner himself that's i don't know which one is worse <laughs> yeah this is it is a really interesting thing uh, to watch that the devil in disguise, you know. Um, and now I'm playing Elvis in my head. You know, <laughs> you're the devil in disguise. Oh, yes, you are. Uh, maybe Calhoun should listen to more Elvis, and then he'd realize that he's being taken for a ride, basically. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So this is, it is, it's a really interesting thing to see. The way all of these literary aspects are kind of playing together, all, all at the same time it, it's it's actually pretty interesting and, and well done and, and it's not something we see in star trek a lot because honestly calhoun is a very different type of captain i mean mm-hmm. he is not your typical i mean he's he makes kirk look like a saint oh, you know yeah, definitely um, <laughs> so i i think it, it does give you the opportunity i mean he makes Cisco look like a saint too. <laughs> I mean, you, we're we're talking about somebody who is he'd he'd really almost be okay. He could probably he could as Cisco said he could probably live with it if he destroyed all the demerge mm-hmm. and was a part of that annihilation. He could live with it, and that's a really interesting thing to see in a Star Trek story uh, because it it just gives you a whole new perspective of that. There's a lot of different types of people mm-hmm. in 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 Starfleet. Um, and they're not all as goody goody as Picard, you mm-hmm. know, or, um, any of them that we've seen, honestly, 
So Calhoun's just a very different character, and I think it makes for just just makes for an interesting story because you really don't know what this guy's gonna do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really interesting because I mean, every Star Trek captain we've seen as you know a starring captain up to this point has been you know born and raised on earth this paradise that you know there's no war disease crime nothing like that and calhoun grew up you know as a warlord on his planet leading his people to this victory over their oppressive uh aliens that had taken over their planet and you know he did some pretty horrible things in that life and you know, going back way back to the first New Frontier story, it was, you know, Picard kind of taking him from that life and saying, you know, I see a greatness in you and I think you could be a really big asset. You should join Starfleet Academy. Like we need people of your intelligence and strength and that kind of thing. And, you know, Starfleet tempered him and made him into a Starfleet captain. But man, when that warlord peeks through, it just kind of comes out with a vengeance and, uh, it's it's scary to see that you know people people are their backgrounds you know and where they've come from and that really informs their decisions and who they are as people and sometimes it's not a pretty picture and uh definitely comes through with Calhoun in this one he's honestly like the Anakin Skywalker of Star Trek <laughs> You know, like he's he's taken from a rough background and they're trying to mold him into a Star Trek, you know, captain. And yet he has all of this baggage with him and, and this dark side, basically, mm. that he doesn't really always know how to control. And, and it kind of leaves him a captain on the edge. And um, his crew is... I love the conversation he has um, with his first officer saying, look... Hey, we'll follow you to the gates of hell, but we're not going through them with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're not. Th- this crew is behind you a hundred percent, up to a point. Mm-hmm. And after that, I I don't know really what's going to happen. Yeah. And I, it was an interesting thing because I think most crews feel that way about their captain, but this one. <sighs> They fall a little bit too blindly for my taste. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely a valid criticism. I mean, in this series up to this point, like we've seen this crew do, like this captain do some pretty crazy things. And the crew has kind of been very trusting. And I mean, it's worked out, <laughs> you know, they, he hasn't led them to their destruction or uh, being cashiered out of Starfleet so far, <laughs> but you know, it's really interesting with all of the stuff that they've allowed him to do and how far they've followed him that we're finally approaching that line that, you know, if you do this, you probably won't have a crew left. Just a heads up, you know. I'm just putting that out there. Just I you mean, <laughs> yeah, um, just a quick FYI. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that was an interesting conversation. And, and um New Frontier, and I said as the universe turns at the beginning, it, it is very soap opera-ish in that sense, and and in so many other ways, too. I mean, everybody's secretly in love with everybody else. People just take their clothes off and have sex with each other for random reasons. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very... It's a very lively universe <laughs> that Peter David's created, and in some ways, it's kind of fun just to be in a place where 
people are so straight laced mm-hmm. and 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 um you know sometimes i think uh, star trek has a habit of being too stuffy you know oh star trek doesn't go there mm-hmm. you know uh no, 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 number one. Um, so uh, it's nice to see that, you know, Peter David, It's I'm going to tell the story I want to tell, and, you know, it's kind of Star Trek rules, quote-unquote, be damned. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're, we're going to we're gonna tell a rip-roaring adventure, and we're going to use some of the Star Trek, Star Trek tropes, but we're not going to let it control everything. And so, yeah, I, I think it, it makes for an interesting story and um you know again having never read new frontier i'm finding it fun Mm -hmm. you know and and so that's good and it it still has my interest of of wanting to to see what happens with the characters and with the story so you know that's successful Mm -hmm. um and I, I'm, I appreciate that for sure. So. I'm wondering if you saw that, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you saw it, that animated uh, cartoon that was Picard uh, facing off against Vader and uh, his group on the view screen. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty I, funny. I just love that. It's like, oh, it's just always talk, talk, talk. It's never any action. Oh, we have action. Captain, will you be attending my poetry? Not now, Dantas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, yes, I just feel like exactly. this Peter David New Frontier stuff is like the anti that. And I mean, I love that. I love Star Trek. I love everything about it. But this is definitely kind of pushing back against that. Yeah, this is kind of like Enterprise before Enterprise was around hmm, yeah. in a lot of ways. You know where it's 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 looser, people are a little bit more volatile. Um, you know, Archer might knock you on your ass if you don't <laughs> shut up. Uh, you know, especially if you're a Vulcan and named to Paul. Um, so it's you know it's it has that feeling. It's a little bit more raw. It's a little more more real. So it's like Enterprise and Deep Space Nine had a baby. Hmm. New Frontier. Like Enterprise in Deep Space Nine had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. So, well, and of course, this book has a surprise guest star. Mm-hmm. Um, when the awesome finally shows up, uh, uh, and it's not Barney Stinson, which I was really <laughs> disappointed. I, I thought it was just going to be Barney. Yeah, I was waiting for a wait for it. <laughs> type joke in there but yeah and dairy legendary (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no uh the awesome which you know i don't know why he had a problem with that name uh going around being called the awesome i think i could get used to that that would be pretty cool maybe he's not an 80s fan that's you know because like if you were like a real fan of the 80s the awesome would be (laughs) The thing to, I mean, and, and if you were a 90s fan, it would be the dude, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't think Q really got into, oh, I just spoiled oh, it. Oh my. Oh my, <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler there. Yeah. The awesome is Q, which Peter David really choreographs for us by quite a few things throughout this book. It, it, one being very early on, the awesome snaps his fingers. Mm-hmm. Very Q move. Um I just, I don't know why he's interested in this planet or why he's cared about this planet. I mean, he's obviously had a part of um, putting this Swan family in in leadership of. of um, I just, I don't understand what Q's doing. Apparently, he's just bored. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm 
I'm kind of curious as to what his um, motivation for getting involved in all of this is. Uh, like you said, very early on, you know, kind of with the first words out of his mouth, I was like, this really sounds like Q. And then, of course, at the very end, yeah, okay, that's that's confirmed. I kind of figured that. I could even hear John Delancey's portrayal mm. of Q saying the words. Like, that's how good it was. That's yeah. That's how close it was. So I was like... This just has to be cute. Yeah, and, that, and, and it was cute. That's one thing Peter David's always been able to do, especially with Q. Uh, growing up, Q Squared was one of my absolute favorite novels. And yeah, it just, it every page that Q was talking, it just totally felt like John Delancey. So, you know, this is kind of one area where maybe if he was going for the surprise, he was just too good at writing Q because you know immediately, you know, you're reading and all of a sudden John Delancey's voice comes into your head and you're like, what? Where is that coming? Oh, this is Q. Okay. (laughs) I love a good Q story. So I am interested to see exactly what he's doing here. And with, you know, kind of our reluctant miracle worker in McHenry, uh, and his godlike powers. Uh, apparently, they're going to go head to head some way. So, God fight. Um, <laughs> it should be pretty interesting to see that happen. I do have to admit, the fanboy in me who's been watching, or sorry, has, who's been reading New Frontier for quite a while is, you know, kind of since the early days, I've been wondering, hey, what would happen if he went up against Q? How powerful is he? So. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. Well, and he even said, you know, he doesn't necessarily know the full extent of his powers, McHenry. So mm-hmm. uh, you never really know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm, I am pretty interested to see that as well. Yeah, and we know from the first bar- book, too, that he, he has outright said, like, oh, I, I've told people that I can't do this, but I can totally do this. So, yes, you know, so we yes, know he's exactly. keeping some things in reserve already. So could be pretty interesting. And that was a, that's an interesting part of this story. All the things that take place on this planet, the the backstory of the Swan family, and then the story with McHenry and Leffler was just really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, it feels very middle of the road book. I, you're definitely in the purgatory here because you're not sure how this is going to play out, how it's all going to work together. Um, but you know, I. Because I don't know New Frontier, I had no idea that he had latent feelings for Leffler, and I definitely didn't realize that she was just going to go New Frontier style and show up in a bathrobe and not much else. I have to admit, and, uh, like, even as a longtime yeah. reader of New Frontier, I don't know that I knew that either. I'm trying to remember if this has been... That makes me feel better. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to figure... Trying to remember if this has been hinted at or if this is just kind of brand new i'm i'm having a really hard time remembering anything to do with that so this might be just hey let's try this one out (laughs) i well i mean her her husband is is dead you know she's a widower so um hey nothing nothing wrong with um you know a little uh demigod throwdown so yeah and i mean you know when when women say oh he's a greek god i mean in this case you know they mean it so yeah exactly <laughs> it's no lie no lie literally he's, 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 <laughs> yeah literally a demigod guys well it was interesting too because this backstory of the swan family it really 
It led me to thinking something that I've been thinking about a lot with election season coming up here in the States. The idea of a permanent political class and really saw that kind of the, the danger of that playing out in this family as they got so comfortable that by the time it was going to be the son's turn to take over, well, the son was feeling superior to the people that he's supposed to rule. He's um, somebody who's going to end up killing his own father to take the rule from him. Um, and just the way that it, it it leads to his feeling of superiority um, and how dangerous that is. And I thought that was really interesting to see. And it's a really small point, but I, I think it's really powerful to watch it play out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is something that uh, like the series itself over the course of many books has has been about. Um, one of the main characters, uh, Robin Leffler's now deceased husband, um, C. Quan or Swan. I've, I've, I've actually never been certain how to pronounce that. I, I like the idea that it's Swan. Yeah. I, personally. But. I think, you know, I think we need to hear from someone who's heard the audiobook of one of them because I'm really I'm just yeah, not that would sure. probably help. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah he was a main character on the series for for many books and you know he started out as someone who'd been exiled through a political coup and really had this superior feeling and this this superior attitude that they were born to rule and and they had a natural birthright to rule the Thelonian empire. And what kind of ended up happening was he learned from the Excalibur crew and, and, and from the people around him that, you know, you have to earn that right. You have to be a, a just and honorable leader. And by the time he kind of goes back to lead his people, once again, he has kind of earned that position. So yeah, this is something that, that the series as a whole has been about for a long time too, is this kind of destroying this idea of this corrupt long line of leaders. And even though he does end up leading again, you really feel that he's earned it. And, uh, and then of course things go all to hell from there. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) definitely do um yeah so it's you know it's just one of those great things where a small portion of the book is is so utterly relevant to the world in which we live and and especially for me living in the united states um that's kind of what our political society has become is that we just have people who have created a kind of permanent political class Mm -hmm. instead of it being a government for the people and by the people and so and that's just not what was intended you know i mean i think that's the greatness of george washington they wanted one to make him king and he said no uh and two they wanted him to run again after two terms and he said no i'm done it's not why i did this Mm -hmm. you know so that's not seen anymore (laughs) you know um most people these days uh end up more like putin i'll just keep taking power (laughs) so yeah that's uh, always a good uh that that's that's always just a great path to go on (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it doesn't turn into an empire i can't see anything anything bad happening here (laughs) no no uh rome anyone rome (laughs) so um so the demerge, you know, they the reason they've been doing what they're doing 
is because of this fight for, for survival. And the question of what would you do to survive as a race? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Dan are, are this really interesting species that have adopted this nihilistic Nietzschean philosophy of nothing really deserves they've come to the idea if philosophically nothing really deserves to exist so we will wipe everything out and then once we're done with that we will wipe ourselves out and the galaxy will be rid of us (laughs) we've talked before i mean yeah that we see think that's wrong but i mean what do you do to survive (laughs) yeah i mean you know this this group has this fundamental belief uh and then you know there's another group that's in their path and i mean if you were going to be wiped out you you do everything you can to survive right so man <laughs> i mean you know it's just one of those things that that's awful to think about you can't it's 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 the no win, no win scenario writ universal <laughs> like it's you know mm-hmm. what do you do uh you know killing killing is wrong uh and this other group is killing because they don't want to be killed but that's wrong i mean it's just yeah it's a no win scenario yeah it it really is an interesting thing this idea you know that that emerged what they have been doing what they do did the xenexians uh was all in the name of survival of their race mm-hmm. you know um and and that's a really just it's a, it's a it makes it a moral quandary then instead of it being black and white mm-hmm. and and that's again it it goes towards calhoun doesn't know the whole story of what's going on and so his revenge desire may be misplaced really in the end mm-hmm. um and that's what star trek does a lot which is to say there's more to the story and you, you can't really make a judgment on something until you know the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's a really, it, I liked that twist. And I was glad it came because it, it makes the story much more interesting mm-hmm. than just there being good guys and bad guys. And you kind of expect that again at Star Trek. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I still very much fall on the side of, you know, them wiping, wiping out the Xenexians for whatever reason was wrong <laughs> oh yes yeah. yes kind of like uh kind of like the historian uh demurge in this story mm-hmm. uh you know he doesn't necessarily agree with what his people are doing uh but at the same time he isn't willing to really stand up to them and and try to stop them or to even speak out against it which uh, i thought was a really interesting kind of insight into a single demurge character you know just mm-hmm. what you know when they when they first enter this region of space and they're seeking out the home world of these people calhoun says he doesn't know what they're like maybe they have a hive mind and they all believe singularly in this one goal or maybe they don't he doesn't know uh so i thought it was interesting that later on we get to see this individual and his views on it but he still isn't really willing to speak out against it, even though he doesn't believe in it. You know, um, you had the great enterprise book, the good that men do. And this is the good that men don't do. 
And uh, you know, Edmund Burke is is famous for for saying the the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And it really struck a chord with me here that this uh, demerge historian, he might not necessarily agree with what his people do, but he's like, well, who is it? I, I'm just a historian. You know, I can't do anything to stop it. And when we as good people see injustice happening in the world, bad things happening, things we think are completely against all that we believe in and stand for and we just sit back and do nothing that's on us mm-hmm. you know that evil is on us just as much as the people perpetrating yeah it. um and i i think this is a hugely important issue uh especially in today's society where we tend to get really self-focused mm-hmm. and 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 not really paying attention to what's going on around us and that and i say to that wake up people you know there's plenty going on in the world that we should be raging about definitely um so and and it yeah there and some more important than the others so let's stand up mm-hmm. and i think it's it's kind of especially interesting that uh peter david made this character an historian as well and i mean yes, frequently yes. you say you know people who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it and he doesn't like what's happening and he's an historian but he's still not going to do anything it's just yeah it's it's so disheartening <laughs> Maybe he's like a BSG type historian where it's all happened before and it will all happen again. Uh, so he just believes in a cyclical nature of, of history. So maybe that's Kind it. of a little bit of a nihilist himself. <laughs> it, yeah. It, no, I think it is really interesting. And um, it, it just shows there, there has to be what you believe in and, and why you believe it are going to be a huge impact on, on do you do anything or do you not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I love this point of, you, you know, don't do nothing, especially when you see huge injustices happening, especially when you see evil being perpetrated, stand up and do something about it. So, uh, yeah, I liked, um, you know, we, we talked kind of about the, the soap opera-ish of this book and the series in general, just of, of New Frontier, but really like some of the great points that this book had to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of... You know, I we read it quickly over the course of basically a day and a half kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, the, the story is a lot deeper than I think I initially gave it credit for. Just kind of some of the stuff we've come up with in our discussion here. It kind of made me realize uh, this, this story's got more to it than I initially thought for sure. Well, and that's where I think, you know, if it had been one book and you had read it all together the the themes might have played out a little bit better because you didn't have that breakup of a month. Mm-hmm. So if you went back and reread the story all together, those things might interconnect in a way that Peter David probably had in mind when he wrote the entire story. And then by getting it split up, you know, uh, if you get the chance, so I might do that and just reread it all back to back and have the opportunity to kind of see the story flow in a more natural progression than kind of having those arbitrary breaks of, Oh, Nope. Got to wait for book three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well that said, I mean, man, I really look forward to uh, getting book three and getting this, like you said, all together in kind of one go and uh, you know, really dissecting it and, and talking about, you know, what this story says and where it's taking us. 
Well, Dan, I am so glad that we got the opportunity to talk through the returned part two today because I really, there was a depth there that I didn't see in the first book. And I'm really glad that happened because it's made me even more interested to see what happens in book three now. And um, I I can't wait. I I think it is going to be really, really cool to watch this story play out because there's some big thematic issues that Peter David has planted here in this second story. And yeah, we're kind of mired in that middle book purgatory <laughs> waiting for, um, but it's, it's not because it's bad. It's just because we need the resolution to the story. Now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, purgatory, that's the thing about purgatory. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just, you know, it's just kind of where you're stuck. And right now, yeah, it's right limbo. now we're a little stuck, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I have high hopes that, you know, I've really enjoyed the story so far. Uh, I, I really have high hopes that we're going to get a pretty uh, pretty kick-ass finale to this. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, guys, don't forget that uh, you can find all the sh- different shows that we have at uh, trek.fm uh, and, of course, itunes.com slash trek.fm. If you're an Apple user, do us a big favor and, and uh, hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out when people are trying to search the shows. The more subscribers we had, the further up on the iTunes rankings we go, as well as iTunes reviews and iTunes ratings. So get an opportunity, go over to iTunes and help us out that way. You can find the shows everywhere else, though. I mean, Stitcher and TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone. Uh, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from the website at trek.fm. And, of course, there you can also grab the RSS link and put that in any podcatcher you'd like. Um, Patreon, too, is really important for us here at the network. We are a listener-supported network. Um, we pay for things out of pocket when we don't have the Patreon support to do it. So um, I personally just had to buy a brand-new storage device to keep the files for the shows Um somewhere and uh, needed a new storage device so those are the kind of costs that we incur along with the storage costs online and everything else that we do whether it's software or hardware updates anything like that you can help us out keep all these shows coming to you just visit patreon.com slash trek fm and you can find the goals that we're trying to reach as a network and we have some great milestone contribution levels because that gives you some great perks. Um, early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on the content development team. You could be a part of the Patreon roundtable with Will Win, where we've got uh, great Patreon members just getting together every month to talk about a fun Star Trek topic together, kind of like we do here on the podcast. So check everything out. We'd love to have you be part of our family. Just go to patreon.com slash trekfm. Don't forget about all the places to contact us. Uh, we love to hear from you. Some of the main places, trek.fm slash contact, Twitter at trek.fm, and then, of course, Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And don't forget about the Babel Conference. I'd like to thank uh, the associate producers from Patreon. Those guys are the ones who really do help this show keep coming to each week, and they have supported us through Patreon, and it really means a lot to me that they've been doing this for so long. Will Wynn, he's our content manager. He's fantastic. I really appreciate him doing that for us. Uh, you can also thank Ken Tripp for his support of Literary Treks and keeping that coming to each week uh, through Patreon, and his support of us as being an associate producer and then we've got our executive producers c brian jones and norman lau guys are amazing and i love working with them every day to help bring the network to you and make sure that we have the best content out there anywhere 
Well, Dan, when you're not trying to decide between the genocide of a race and mercy, where can we find you? Uh, well, Matthew, uh, you can find me online. Uh, my website is Treklet Review, uh, Treklet Reviews. That's just at www.treklet.com, and there I review Star Trek novels. Imagine that, uh, both old and new. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Treklet Reviews and on Facebook.com/slash Treklet Reviews. Uh, kind of noticing a pattern there, maybe. <laughs> And you can find me on the Babel Conference uh, posting interesting Trek tidbits and commenting on various Star Trek news stories as well. And Matthew, uh, when you're not using your demigod powers to heal mental illness and, and doing what you can, really, uh, where can we find you? It can be exhausting, but it's so worth it, you know, to, to help others. Well, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can also find me doing The Orb with Christopher Jones, where we're talking exclusively about Deep Space Nine. You can find me on The 602 Club. We pick a great new geeky topic each week. It can be something that's new that just came out in theaters. It could be something that's old, TV show. I mean, we've talked about books too i mean it's a great place where we talk all things geek that don't necessarily have a, anything to do with star trek and it's a great new place to find something that you might never thought about getting into before um let the host talk about their passion for it and maybe you'll be interested in it you never know uh, you can also find me on instagram at m rushing and my own personal blog where i do movie reviews and book reviews and other things that just have importance to me at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com well, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.